gas produced from microbiomes. What difference are they from the clouds of gas out in the cosmos? Do they smell? Will you turn your nose at Bethlehem? Or are they just the birthplaces for stars, nurseries? Who knows? Who goes out to those gas clouds lost? Deep, 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 nebulous, way out in the cosmos. Our universe has untold tales and untold fathoms of distance from us. But here we are, with universes within and gas clouds which come without. Welcome to another episode <laughs> of Cosmic Halidosis. I guess welcome. <laughs> Genevieve made me do one of my ridiculous I made him. freestyle poems. Yes. At the beginning of this. <laughs> I feel like it's fitting. It's it's the cosmic halitosis of the heart. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you guys for tuning in. Look at us. We're doing another podcast. Not a week or so after releasing the last. <clears throat> gold star. Gold thing. We get a gold star. Really getting on top of it. Yeah. Uh, we wanted to check in because we promised you guys that we were going to talk about the play party that we went to. And so we're actually doing that. Yes. Yes. So- uh, it was the Obsidian L.A play party um which is a group of kinksters focusing on queer trans people of color um and uh, i had a good time yeah i had a good time too it was an awesome party it was probably the best play party i've ever been to not that we've been to that many play parties yeah i'm not a huge public player personally uh the few times that i've done it we, I mean, we, we kind of talked about our experiences at Burning Man, and that's kind of been what my experience is, like, old... In public play. Yeah, in public play, like, just yeah. having your scenes interrupted by some old dude with a bunch of toys who, yeah, thinks they kind of come steal your scene from you. Steal your woman. <laughs> Mr. Steal Your Sub. <laughs> Mr. Steal Your Sub. <laughs> <laughs> It's very real, though, and this was a really refreshing um, atmosphere. It seemed like most of the people who are our age in their late 20s, yeah, fairly young, early 30s, um, maybe. Which is cool. Very, like, sexy group of people. I felt like it was nice to be in a room of people that I was like, I pretty much play with anyone here. Yeah. You know? Like, it was just a good vibe. And the most fucking brown kinksters I've ever seen in one per- one place at a time. That was pretty yeah. amazing. Um, I know for me, like, when I first started learning about the kink scene and stuff, that was kind of, like, a barrier for me. I was like, uh, there's not really young people and there's no brown people. Yeah, so like, having this party is major. Yeah, not that, not that I only want to play with or be around other brown people. It's just, like doesn't seem like a space welcoming space um well it replicates every other space where like the dominant the dominant class is true white rich people <laughs> or it's whatever a, it's you know a microcosm yeah. yeah and i think that's kind of like that's troubling especially when you're because we're playing with domination and submission and like power dynamics and things like that and to have these weird power dynamics replicated in play i guess to me like Part of what's fun about BDSM is, like, bending that stuff and moving beyond what we, like, experience in everyday life. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So if in everyday life we experience, like, a bunch of white guys wielding whips in one way or another, you know what I mean? Then it's kind of, to me, like, not that interesting to see that replicated again yes. in a play space. Or it's not sexy to me, personally, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I think, I don't know, at least getting into it I feel like, yeah, that was very daunting. I feel like now that I am into it um, and have a footing with who I am and what I'm into and stuff like that, I'm down to try to go to some of those spaces just to, like, out of curiosity and see what it's like, but it's probably not going to be a huge draw for me. I I don't think playing... I mean, even that party, I don't think public playing is really a big thing for me. Yeah, maybe, like, a smaller, more private, like intimate type party like a friend's hosting or a friend of a friend's hosting Mm -hmm. 
Um, but you have said to me that you really want to go to more kink parties. Like, we've had conversations where it's come up as a conflict and it's been something that we've resolved because, for me, when I think kink parties, I kind of think of these scenes that, like, are not my cup of tea. Like, they're mm-hmm. interesting as, like, a, like anthropological study or like you know what I mean like I can go and like enjoy them but to me it's not like oh I want to share this sexy experience with my partner because to me it's just not that sexy yeah and so we had that discussion because I mean it sounds like you're not that into public play but it's still important to share those experiences with me yeah I mean for me maybe playing is not necessarily that high on the list as is uh just being around other kinksters and uh yeah, not feeling, I guess, I, I mean, I'm not, I don't have a huge problem with being a shut-in about stuff, because I, I tend to be kind of a lone wolf in a lot of things that I do, but um, I think just being exposed and seeing what else is out there is, is good, too, when I want to, like, kind of step out of my comfort zones. And, and it's uh, inspiring. Yeah, because you never know, like, one of the very first play parties I went to, like, I got in a vac bed, which was like yeah, has, something has that's super inspiring. Yeah, yeah, super inspiring. And yeah. I also saw like uh, shrink wrap suspension, which I'm doing now after mm-hmm. like 10, 10 years have almost elapsed since then. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think it's, it's a good thing to kind of see what other people are doing and what's mm-hmm. happening, like check in. It's not necessarily something I want to do like every week or even every month. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But checking it out and, like, for example, this party, finding a place that, I guess, to me, it's like, yeah, I'll go back here time and time and time again yeah, as long yeah, as it exists. Yeah, it was awesome. Especially to feel like this is, I don't know, a, a group of people that we can come, become friends with and that there's a community that, could, I mean, probably already exists. It seems like a lot of people a know each other. A lot of people know each other, yeah. Um, but, you know, that that's a, a community that's open to us that's kinksters who are also, like, people were cool and attractive and welcoming. Yeah. And it was really nice. I think that that's something I've been wanting too is like, uh, yeah, connecting with people that are kind of like on the same wavelength as yeah. I am. Like, um, so that, yeah, that was good to see. Um, Should we talk about the scene that we did? Do you want to talk in detail about that? Sure, we could talk about the scene that we did. Well, yeah. first of all, I guess. Uh, uh, I, f- I feel like we should call this episode demystifying kink or demystifying BDSM because I feel like it's important to sort of like let people behind the curtain of the magician's work of BDSM <laughs> or whatever you want to however you want to say because like I think there's a lot of first of all there's a lot of like fashion BDSM out in the world right now where people are kind of like signifying BDSM but maybe don't actually know how to do safe state and consensual play and <laughs> Oh, it's just gonna say a lot of show callers out there. <laughs> a lot of show callers, and that's fine. There's like a fashion element to BDSM, that's fine, you know. But um, there's also just like so much work, like so much work and negotiation that goes yeah. into being able to do a scene like the scene that we did at Obsidian. Um, and I feel like us talking about that and talking about what went into that and talking about what it felt to actually do that is one way that we can sort of show, like, actually, it's. It's sexy, and there's also a lot that goes into it. People who don't know that much about BDSM might not know that. Yeah, yeah. So what was the scene you had planned for me? Um, so the scene I had planned for you was... Um, let's see, how, I'm trying to think how detailed to go into. So basically, I uh, gimped Genevieve. I think and we, we should explain what each term... Yeah, sorry. If you don't know what a, a gimp suit is, it's, it's usually like a going to be latex or leather um so if you take your arms put them straight out in front of you and then pull your hands to your shoulders so you've got your elbows pointing out now just imagine uh your forearm and your bicep area bound together so they can't move and then if you bend your knees and imagine like your thigh and your shins bound together so you're on all fours kind of walking on your elbows and knees um so you're like a little little animal in mm-hmm. that sense. Yeah, basically puts you on all fours, but on your yeah elbows and knees, and you don't have the joint movement that even an animal would have. Yeah, so I bound Genevieve in that way. Uh, we call not, it gimping. Not, I don't know. Other people might call it something else. Yeah, it wasn't a gimp suit. It was bondage tape, which is a type of plastic it's or a rubber. It's a vinyl, vinyl tape that kind of sticks to itself. It's a really, like, 
easy, quick way to put someone in bondage without having to like bust out no ropes or have a very uh, in-depth knowledge of doing rope bondage. <clears throat> I like it because it's super quick. Um, you, I, I try to recycle mine as much as possible. So every time I use it, I coil it back up and get out all the wrinkles and you can just keep using it and using it. It has like no adhesive on it. It just kind of sticks to itself. Um, so she was bound in that, uh, all fours position. Can I interrupt you? Sure. What would you call the scene without describing the exactitudes of it? Like what was your intention with the scene? Was it barnyard animal or what were you thinking? Of? Mm, it was something like a, 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 a butchering scene, a I guess butch- you could yeah. say. Yes. Um, so, I have a couple electro toys and uh, electro play is something I'm super into. Um, this uh, also kind of like psych- the psychological um, aspect of this scene was really intriguing to me. Um, so something in playing around with Genevieve um, in the time that I've known her, uh, we kind of developed this inside joke uh, about me butchering her. Um, while you using, don't know how that started, or what <laughs> I, I think it started the first time uh, we used the violet wand together, and uh, <laughs> so much to explain. No, well, I kind of think a ca- I think it's because you were a cannibal or a butcher in your past life. <laughs> I think this is your king, personally, and I could be wrong. You I think don't. So? I think it's only with you because it, it disturbs <laughs> you so much. Well, and I guess that's an important part of BDSM too for for people who maybe haven't played or haven't had this experience that each partner does bring something out that's yeah. new in you i've never wanted to be butchered butchered i still don't really want to be butchered <laughs> but as part of my submission to temba it's something that i do with him yeah and i enjoy that and i enjoy the lack like the lack of enjoyment <laughs> if that makes sense i enjoy the torture uh so i, I use something called a, a violet wand to electrify uh a Am I pronouncing this right? Wurtenberg wheel, Wartenberg. which is basically just a tracing wheel. If you've ever cut fabric patterns like out, a seamstress wheel. Um, and uh, when you electrify it, it kind of feels like your flesh is being like splayed open with no, a knife. No, not kind of. It feels exactly like <laughs> your flesh is being splayed open with a knife. If you can imagine, yeah, like your your flesh is butter, and that's a hot knife, and it's like that, and it's. The most disgusting thing I've ever felt, and it really fucks me up. It really fucks with my head. And it gets a huge reaction out of her, which is why I kind of like it so why much. It's probably your favorite thing. Because there's other fun things we can do with BDSM, things that I like that are painful, but I like, but this one is just, he knows that it's true torture for me. Like it truly is. The psychological aspects. So delicious. But so and, you huh. so you plan the scene to be a butchering scene. Yeah. So she's on all fours. Um, I put a blindfold on you. Um, I think I just started out warming up your body with just some light touching and sensation play, a little bit of slapping on the butt. Um, I'm trying to remember the order. I might get the order messed up, but it doesn't I can matter. walk you through it. I remember it very well. <laughs> <laughs> and I also had to journal about the experience, it's which true. which helps me. Um, remember it and it's actually one of my duties after a scene like this something where we've done a scene either at home or in this case this was a very prepared scene and so I journaled about it that I think the next day and I'm required to read it back to Temba afterwards if I don't I get punished in trouble (laughs) (laughs) I get in trouble a lot I forget a lot actually it's fun (laughs) it's fun um can I say one thing before sure. we continue describing the scene? I think it's important to note that we also practiced the scene the day before. Yeah, we kind of went over some elements uh, that Genevieve was feeling not sure if she wanted to do in public because mm-hmm. um, she was feeling too too vul- vulnerable about yeah. doing them in front of a bunch of people. Um, so, yeah, we had a check-in the day before and, and tried out some things just to see how she was feeling about it and if she felt comfortable doing that, like, in a room full of strangers because mm-hmm. we didn't know exactly how many people were going to be there. But, um, yeah. And so- a, big, a big thing for me was sort of guiding you to be like, this is a way that you can torture me in a tolerable way. Yeah. Because there, um, 
Temba has a way of using the wheel, doing the, like, butchering and flaying that is really enjoyable for him and is, like, very near my threshold of needing to safe word out. And so to be able to do this scene in public where I felt like I could tolerate it and not lose my mind and not get to a place where I was going to bust out crying, which has happened before when we were in a dungeon, which is fine. That's happened. Everyone who's there understands it. Yeah, there's a lot of emotions that go. And... But this was a party with people I knew, and I just didn't feel like I wanted to be that vulnerable in that space. Mm-hmm. Bring that energy to the other people there. So I wanted to know that we were going to do this scene in a way that wasn't going to get quite to that point. That point's good. Getting to the point of, like, release and, like, you know, busting through something. It's going deep. Is important. And it's there's a place for that, but I didn't feel like this party was the place for it. Um, so I was kind of, we kind of, you know, when you first said, hey, I think I want to do an electro play scene at this play party. How do you feel? I said, I, I'm down to do that, but no Wartenberg wheel was my first thing. <laughs> I was like, we can do that, but no Wartenberg wheel because I can't handle it. And then I thought about it a little and I was like, maybe I could handle it if he did it this way. Or if he took a little more time or like didn't do kind of the like filleting mad butcher kind of a murderer thing <laughs> like whatever which make he, me sound so good well no it's a thing that it's a thing that you do and it's a thing that we do together yeah um and it can be really intense but it's something that i have consented to and that i do with you and i am willing to go to that like kind of tough and torturous psychological place with you yeah that's part of the trust and the love and the care and all that that we're willing to do in our relationship but for this scene i was like i think this is not gonna work if we do that but i did want to kind of like give you or like give you the license to use the wheel Mm -hmm. in a way that i could handle so in that practice session it was about figuring out okay if you do it like this will i be able to handle that or does that push me too far into a psychological place i don't want to go to in the party so we did that, and it was actually really, really intense at home. But mm-hmm. I still felt like, okay, what we talked about was it, did we talk about this in the practice? Was you drawing on butchering lines? Well, that was something I was going to do anyway. So okay. that was part that was part of my original idea for the scene. Uh-huh. Um, so, oh, I should we should also mention before we keep going, like before any play started happening at this, we checked in and reviewed our safe word system and. Um, yeah, just checking it. it and, and originally when we went to the party, um, we were like, we're gonna see how we feel, what the energy is like there, and if we don't feel 100% good about it, we're not doing the scene at all. Right. So, um, It was no question that when we got there. Yeah, when we, we got there, really, we're like, oh, this is cool. Yeah, yes. we, I don't think we even checked in. We were like, alright, how can we get on that bed <laughs> <laughs> as quick as possible? But I'm just saying, like, yeah, yeah we, we have these all these check-ins in place we don't we're not just like okay we're blazing through no matter what Mm -hmm. like um, because that would be uh irresponsible in our minds yes um so you had you had at some point planned on doing the marks kind of like when you see like a pig or a cow if you've seen those diagrams cross section of where all the cuts of meat are like the rib the ham the whatever else flank blah 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 so uh beforehand i had like looked up um like on the just googled like uh like uh what is it butcher cuts or something like that and so i had it in my head like where i was gonna do or like where the lines and stuff were and uh so i took like red sharpie and kind of just made dotted lines on genevieve's body where we're gonna like cut out her ribs the flank, the ham, the shank, whatever. I'm just saying butcher yeah. names which now. Is, which is, so what's beautiful about that is that's like a guideline for Temba and for me. And it's within the fantasy, but it's also something that like allows the scene to, to um, exist. Because that's what I realized I needed to be able to endure the Wartenberg wheel in that mm-hmm. space. So I knew, okay... I feel him putting the lines on my body. That's one, two, three, four. Okay, there's going to be four cuts. I can do this. You know, like I have to be in like a <laughs> mental space. Like I can do this and I know exactly what's coming and it's going to feel really fucking insane, but I know it's coming and that'll be fine. So that was really helpful and I think, I guess that was really beautiful practice to me also to just go from a place of being like, no wheel, to like, but I want to give Tembo what he wants. How can we make it work? 
Mm-hmm. And that's obviously just like you do that in S and M, and you do that in relationship in general, and figure out what those compromises are, you know. But it's very fun to like. I don't know. It's nice to go through that kind of like, in a sense, low stakes way of compromising and negotiating. Yeah. For the scene. Communication is key. Very key. And you also use the cattle prod me, cattle oh, prod yeah. on me probably six times, and I fucking hate the cattle prod at this point. The best. I you guys shrieking. remember <laughs> if you listened to our Burning Mad would have won episode, that was the first time we did the cattle prod. And I loved it at Burning Man. I was in Burning Man mode and anything went and it was all good. And then um Temba seeing my excitement and seeing how much he enjoyed it. Went and bought a, a cattle prod. As soon as we got back. <laughs> and I am so fucking scared of that thing. But it's not that bad. It's not that bad. And honestly, this scene helped me get through it. But it's like, I think we were talking about this on the last episode. It's the anticipation. Yeah. That's really, yeah. really bad. I think I got a prod as a punishment for not doing one of my journal entries. Mm-hmm. Like a few days before the party. And that was good, too. I was just like, you know... It's like it's 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 things like that that allow me to deal with some like the shock is knowing okay well I did earn this and so like I have to take it and it's just very simple. And then in the scene, you had told me you were gonna do two to four prods, and then you but that's okay. I mean, I ended up getting six prods. There was no <laughs> him him giving me six and not two to four was not a violation because I had given you permission to you know do whatever you wanted when I was gimped really yeah um but and I could take six actually because once you started I was really enjoying it it became like in the in the party scene or the the play party scene the cattle prod kind of throws you forward and when I'm gimped I'm gimped I get thrown forward I have to kind of like like a weird little worm creature like get myself back up Um, and I get to pull you yeah I kind of saw the like I saw the dramatic of, or I sensed the dramatic effect of it in the room, and I think yeah. that being like a show off kind of helped me get through it. Yeah, definitely. There was a lot of there were a lot of heads turning for the cattle. Product. I can't help but scream and fall forward. There's no, <laughs> you can't do it. There's no. There's really nothing you can do. You can't. Maybe some people can, but I really can't. Yeah, it depends on the person. <clears throat> I really couldn't do anything but that. But I think that's what helped get me through it, as opposed to doing it at home alone. It's like, the show off in me really carried me through. <laughs> you know? A little exhibitionist. And how did it feel for you, um, having people watch you top me? Um, it was interesting. At first, it was kind of a little nerve-wracking, because, I don't know, like, I guess I have... Um, exhibitionist tendencies in some areas or some activities but I feel like uh that was definitely probably the the most crowded play party that we've played at um so it was just I mean maybe it was all in my head probably probably when we were starting nobody was fucking looking at us at all but like it just felt like a lot of pressure to like uh not fuck up, not do anything wrong. Even though I didn't really think I would, it was just like you felt like a, a certain a, judgment, a, whether a bit of anxiety yeah. um, well, around natural. that, I guess. Um, but yeah, once once we started getting more into it, then it was just kind of like other people disappeared. Mm-hmm. I know I, I just we were all doing our scene on in the uh, the space we were in. There was like one single bed. And when we started, there was kind of a couple other people playing on the other half of the bed. Um, So with the electric toys, I had to be really... They were kind of like flailing about. I can't remember what they were doing, but uh, one of the electric toys I have kind of has a a risk of giving someone a shock if they get too close to like where you plug in the, uh, the attachments. So I had to really be aware of uh, what they were doing, kind of. As well um, as what I was doing. Yeah. That's all. But it wasn't, it wasn't like, it wasn't pulling me out, per se. It was just, like, an interesting thing to be aware of. I was like, wow, if if this wasn't something I was really conscious of, someone could get an, a surprise, like, ouch. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then one more thing that was interesting, I guess, at the end of the scene, when the final kind of butchering happened, the Wartenberg wheel, 
Um, I sort of surprised myself because when Tembo was using the wheel to do the cross-section cuts, it wasn't electrified. Something mm. about being on the metal bed, like it was grounded weird or something. Yeah, some, I, feel like, I feel like part of that was, I mean, it doesn't make sense that the sweat would, because I, I was wearing a latex pants, um, and we were using this uh, attachment called the Power Tripper, which basically is a metal contact patch that goes, you kind of wear it like in your waistband, so it uh, electrifies your body, and you can actually use your fingertips to deliver shocks, or you can hold like a metal or conductive uh, material. material in your hand and use that to deliver the current. Um, but I felt like I was so sweaty, I wasn't getting, like, a good connection. Maybe that's but that, what it was. It doesn't really make sense, though, because water Sweat, conducts... Well, and, and salt water especially. Salt, yeah, conducts yeah. electricity. It may, may have also been that I was touching the metal frame, too. Right, right. I think that's what we discovered, because um, later on we were playing with some other people, and a similar thing was happening. Yeah, so that I think we were losing a little bit of current there. But I, I guess I, what I was going to say was I surprised myself because... I could have just been like, thanks, Daddy, what a nice scene. But I felt like, and I didn't have a shock, and I didn't really have that terrifying, oh, my God, I'm being sliced open Oh, moment. I could tell. So, yeah, you could <laughs> tell I wasn't having that reaction. Um, but also part of our agreement to use the wheel was that I would use it on the lowest setting. Right, right. Um, so but I, I wanted but, to honor that, too. But, yeah, totally, but there was no shock. So I told you I don't think that shock worked, or I don't think that's electrified. Mm-hmm. Um, and you said, do you want to do it again? And I was like, no, not really. <laughs> <laughs> but you, I mean, you probably said, that's not your safe word. And then turned it up a little and did it again. And it still wasn't as intense as the night before. It was like kind of exactly what I needed for that space and that yeah. time. Um, it wasn't so, so much. Um, but I also felt like I didn't want to cheat you of your of that part of the scene, you know, and like let you know and let you know it was okay to go on, you know. You're a good girl. Because I'm a very good girl. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that was fun. And then, I mean, basically when the party had started, Tempa had, there was like a round circle where everyone introduced themselves, which I really loved about the party. And that was just like, I don't know. Sometimes those circles can be intimidating and, oh, God, I don't know what to say about myself. But I really liked that. Then we kind of had an idea of what everyone was there for. You know, people, yeah, it was just in, like, I don't know. It set a good stage. What did you think of the circle? Yeah, it was cool, especially for, like, the first event. Um, yeah. They had a munch earlier where a few of us met each other. A um, few of us know each other um, before this, too. A munch is a non-sexual uh, social gathering for kinksters. It's usually held, like, at a restaurant or something. Um, this one was kind of a potluck picnic in the park. Um, so it's just kind of kinksters meeting, talking about kink things, and just kind of getting to know each other without the like pressures of being in the dungeon and like asking strangers to play with you so it's a, it's a way to get to know um, other kinksters that you might be friends with you might potentially play with etc yeah I thought that yeah so when you when it came around to you you mentioned your electro toys the whole room <laughs> lit up as they say <laughs> and uh Pretty much after we disbanded, a couple of people like came up to you and just like were like, "We want to play with those toys," um, and we well, they said we want to play with you specifically. Yeah. Or both of us, I guess they said. And then you also had your cattle prod, and just people were very excited to use the electro toys because it's one of those tools that you can't just go out and buy for twenty bucks. And if you've never played with it, how are you going to get a chance to know if you like it or not? So yeah. A lot of people were very eager to try it. That was interesting. I wasn't expecting anyone to like ask to play with us but um yeah we didn't go there with that intention yeah like, we it were was just fun. going to play with each other but um, it was fun that people did and i'm really glad we had that experience too. yeah definitely it, i mean it wasn't i just when i when i normally think of play i'm thinking of like more of a like elaborate scene but i guess yeah. this is playing too it was more kind of like hey this is what the cattle prod does do you want to try it yeah it was and, a little demo-y <clears throat> a little play just like yeah introductory to the things and I mean like that's how I got into electro play um one of my buddies and uh former roommates uh when I was living with him like pulled out his violet wand and kind of did the Wurtenberg wheel on my arm it was like yeah it's like you're getting cut open I was like what mm -hmm. I need this and yeah I was sold on that 
uh, from that moment. So being able to yeah get, give other people like kind of an introductory experience or show them what something's about before they have to like shell out money on it is is cool um it was a little exhausting though for you you said right yeah i feel like it kind of didn't i didn't i probably didn't take enough time for myself after the scene no we kind of we literally jumped right jumped in. right into yeah and that was my fault in some ways because i i was pretty i really like felt kind of high after the scene just from the endorphins and yeah. stuff and i was i got off off the bed after being on like blindfolded and we did some aftercare um and I got up and was just kind of high and dizzy. And I was like, let's go get those cute girls. He wanted us to, <laughs> to shock them. Yeah. So I went and found them um, in that state. I was just like, this would be fun. And then once I got once they got back there, I was like, I need to sit down. <laughs> and I just like <laughs> sat on the floor. And then Tambo was kind of left to do it. Um, I mean, it was fine. It was just kind of like a lot of people back to back were like, hey, can I try? Will you do that thing? Will you do that thing? And I feel like I probably should have just been like, hey, I need a break. Yeah. Come find me in 15 minutes or something. So I was pretty, pretty zonked. Um, yeah. At the end. But that's okay. It wasn't no, like, no major, like, top drop or anything like that. Um, and top drop, if you don't know, is uh, when you are topping. Um, oftentimes, if you don't do aftercare or even if you do, I guess it, it happened to me uh, kind of in the first intense, uh, topping scene that I ever did is kind of afterwards you feel a lot of like guilt, um, about doing things society perceives as bad to another human being. So it's kind of like a weird depressive state where you're a little, little like self-loathing. You're like, how could I do that to another person? But it was a consensual thing, so it, it is okay, but it's a, it's a weird psychological kind of switch. And I think for me and for probably many other people, like having, having uh, knowing what you need for aftercare is a good way to combat that, like, you know, checking in with the bottom, like mm-hmm. uh, reassuring that they had a good time and because um, tops need aftercare just as much mm-hmm. as bottoms do. Do you feel like um, there's something I could do after that to make sure that you are getting what you need to i feel like i checked it for water and stuff but oh yeah totally you did um i I don't feel like i it happens to me anymore i think that was just because i was very very new yeah um and that was the first uh first real intense scene that i had ever done um oh you mean the first it wasn't in public yeah but um and it, it was also uh yeah with someone i didn't know super well too so um yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So a lot of it was it was interesting though. I mean, we've had this. Com- we we're, were kind of like joking earlier about joking slash like being real about the fact that a lot of these parties have these guys with the toys and they're kind of just like, hey, ladies, come check out my toys. But only I can do it. But this was interesting because this was a bunch of people coming to you and being like, can I use your toys? And we kind of didn't have that like seedy feeling, you know, that we've encountered yeah. in other arenas. I thought that was really interesting and a lot of people said no i specifically want you two to do it and maybe so maybe there's something about being a couple too and it was a queer centered party so yeah. maybe there's the safety of having me there for some people who are maybe more into women or whatever yeah it was a very interesting uh, and we love to co-top so we do yeah it was, fun. <laughs> it was super fun what else did we do I think that Some was more cattle prod. We just had a lot of yeah, cattle prods and a lot people, of people. Like, yeah, curious to try a cattle prod. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> met a lot of cool people. Yeah, met um, a lot of cool people. I can't wait for the next one, or whatever events they decide to come up with. And then we're gonna go to DomCon next week for a day. Also, and DomCon is this big yearly convention um, over by LAX at the airport. That's kind of just a gathering of BDSM kinksters. Do you think it's Dom? Is it DomCon, like, femdom-centered? It's really for just all kink people, all sides of the equation, right? I think so, but in my experience of doing the opening ceremony things, those always seem heavily, more heavily, I think heavily it's attended the, by femdoms. I yes. think it's because the, the owner of Sanctuary is the one who started it. Yes. So the lady or mistress <clears> of Sanctuary. Um, so we're going to go for a day and try to make ourselves present and have our sacred sadism toys and paraphernalia around and 
you know. See the sights, meet the people. See the sights. We wanted to have a booth, but we missed the deadline, so maybe yeah. next year. But it's still it's still good to just kind of have a presence and get to know more people in the community. One thing um, I thought would be interesting to talk about for this episode, too, is... I don't know. Do you feel like kind of talking about what our SM relationship journey has been. I mean, it could we could go probably go for like quite a while longer. <laughs> how long have we been talking? Um, maybe we can just kind of touch on how we started and how it's changed because this idea of like kind of stripping away the mystery of BDSM is important. And I think there's a lot of educators and people who are doing that. And I think that's something that like we have the power to do as well by like showing people one way to do BDSM, you know, True. which is our way. Our way. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that can inspire people to think about it in different ways. Cause there is no right way to do S and M or kink. It's all whatever it means to you or however feels best to you. I would say safe saying consensual is the right way to do it, but for some people edge play and i mean non-consensual cons- or non-consensual consent what is it mm-hmm. called um those are things too um so for us i mean we got to know each other by when we were chatting on okay cupid both having kink or snm or something like that in our profiles right yes um, and talking about that in the first few lines of our conversation, probably. <laughs> huh, what's your thing? What do you identify as? Or what's your, what's your like, predilection or whatever? Um, and then, yeah, when we got, when, I don't know, I think we've talked about this on another episode, how, like, when I first met Tamba, he kind of, t- I don't, he wasn't intending to, but he took, like, a dominant attitude in telling me what to wear and how to wear my hair on our first date. It was, it was intended as a joke. <laughs> but it kind came... of like, <laughs> kind of like, I was like, I was like, okay, well, wear all pink and put your hair in pigtails. And of course, I'll be doing the same as well. And then like, I had already... No, no, you didn't say that. You just said, wear pink and put your hair in pigtails. I pink. thought I no, did. No, you didn't. Are you sure? That's what was so funny Are about sure? it. I'm sure. I'm I, sure. I wish we could find those records because I feel like I did. But after I sent it, I was like immediately like, Oh shit, that comes off kind of assholey. And I, yeah, I was like, that's an ass move, but I like it, and I don't know why. Which is going back to what I was saying about there's different people bring out different things in yeah. you. I did not at all consider myself someone who would want to be in a submissive uh, in the submissive position in a relationship at that time. I was way more interested in being a femdom or being a, do- a pro dom or you know any of that was way more interesting to me, but. Tamba brought something out in me. <laughs> I definitely said I'll be doing the same because remember I showed up in all pink and big. No, I know you did. I just don't know but... if it came after that first thing <clears throat> or after uh. I was like, you know, that's normally I'd be really offended by that or said something like that, but like that turns me on. And then maybe you said like, oh, I'll, oh, I'll be doing the same. I just realized that was weird or something. You said something mm. like that because it was we were in text mode by that point. Yeah. yeah that was it. Yeah. Anyway. Um, but my point is, after our whirlwind romance, somewhere in there, I told... We're still in our whirlwind romance. Well, our fir- that first week where we decided to get married, or whatever, yeah. <laughs> is what I mean. Um, I had also told Temba I wanted to wear a collar, which was, like, even looking back, I'm, like, shocked that I said that, because I had never thought about that. I wasn't, like, on Tumblr, like, reposting images of, like, little baby girls. You didn't say you wanted collar. a collar. You said you wanted to wear my collar right no that's what i that's what i mean i said uh, i want you to collar me i think okay. that's what i said well you just said never mind um <clears throat> yeah i wanted him to collar me and i told him so and it was kind of shocking and you were very excited and so that began our journey i came back from a trip and temba had bought a collar i think you'd shown it to me you had sent me a picture or something to make sure i wasn't gonna hate it mm-hmm. um and yeah he had told me to write my contract which i did on the plane back and then when i got back i was collared a collared woman (laughs) which never in my life is something i expected to want to have to still love to this very day and it's been a really cool part of the journey for me in like understanding sm and my own relationship to bdsm to be like yeah it's really so unique to the people involved you know yeah 
Um, so part of our agreement, I guess, it's pretty, I would say our power exchange is pretty like, it's fluid. It happens throughout the day. We have a lot of inside jokes. Yeah, we're in and out of it. Definitely. Yeah, not really like a 24 TPE. Um, What's that? <laughs> 24 hours a day total power exchange is what that stands for. So that's uh, people who will um, be in a master slave, master sub, top dom dynamic all the all day, every day. So they never break character in that. Supposedly, yeah. Supposedly, yeah. Yeah. I'm sure there's got to be times where they're like, okay, we're stepping out of this. But it's, in general, they're... um... I mean, even to negotiate, I would think that a a well-functioning TP has a lot of negotiation in it as well, which requires in some ways stepping out of role. Yeah. I mean, I guess it it probably depends on on the people, too. Because some people don't, I think. I mean, I might be remembering this wrong, but I think our friends at Black People Kink are are pretty much in it all the time. I can't remember. They said it. We, we were interviewed by Black People Kink. We haven't, the podcast hasn't come out yet, but yeah. we did talk a little bit about our styles on that one. Yeah. If Check want, out Black People Kink. Yes. It's a great kink podcast, um, kind of focusing on people of color's experience um, in kink. And uh, those guys are awesome. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Total Power Exchange. Ours is... I wouldn't say a total power exchange. Um, we're not high protocol, but we do have some protocol for some types of play mm-hmm. that we've had to negotiate, that we've spent time and tears and a lot of talking to figure out um, because we've had scenes that have gone wrong. Yeah. And we've had things that we've had to really, really hash out. Renegotiate. Renegotiate. <laughs> we've There was at one point um, my caller, I have the freedom to take or have Temba take it off once a month. Uh, I don't usually do it. No, every but there once is, in a while. But there's a time when I was, I guess, in the first year of getting used to it where there's, like, a weight to it, and certain times in, like, my cycle, it feels, like, heavier and more uncomfortable than usual. Mm-hmm. And so I have that power, and I think I, yesterday I had it off for 24 hours. Yeah. Because we had a photo shoot, and I was like, I'm just going to leave it <clears> off and let my little neck crack, and, you know? <laughs> it's a heavy collar, if you can hear it. <laughs> it's a it's a pretty heavy piece of steel. Um but yeah and then we have protocol for things like lead play which is where Temba attaches a leash to my collar and um when we go out in public we have like a certain amount of protocol that we've negotiated for that ways of making that work when we don't when we're not necessarily able to talk to each other things to expect from each other for that and you know a lot of that is me obeying him but it's also him making sure that he's keeping me safe this is a big responsibility um, on Temba's shoulder being a top. That's like also, I think, a really big thing. Not a lot of people new to the lifestyle think about the deep responsibility of the top to really care for their sub. Yeah, it's, it, there is a lot of responsibility there. You have to hold, hold space and keep your bottom safe so that they are able to go to these deep places um, and play with these um, kind of like shadows shadow self yeah yeah um so yeah there's a lot of a lot of holding space there it's yeah it's it's, it's a lot of work it's not and it's not uh it's not 24 7 sexy it's <laughs> it's not it's not as easy as like some i think some people and myself media. myself included like when i was first getting into femdoming and doing my research and talking to people and figuring that out there's a I think there's a bit, maybe this hasn't happened for you because this doesn't seem like a big part of your personality, but for me, there was like a big ego trip happening. Like, oh my God, I'm in total control. This is amazing. I can do anything. Um, And I think some people can get really, really carried away with that power. Just like anyone with like too much power can get drunk on their own sense of power. There's a a real danger um, in BDSM for that to happen to the dom in the relationship. And so I really believe that part of the reason I was able to or felt so compelled to submit to Tembo was because he has so much care, so much kindness, so much love that I felt like I could really finally surrender and lose myself to somebody. And that is just rare, you know, I think, at least in my experience, it's been very rare to find somebody that I can be butchered by. (laughs) (laughs) 
when I really don't want to be butchered. Like that's a that's a crazy it's a crazy desire to want to give to somebody that vulnerability, you know? Thank you for giving to me and sharing. <laughs> Kisses. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's rare and I think um like I've I never had like a when I was expressing more of my dominant side, like I never had, I had uh, like some people who are subs in like a professional sense, one like lifestyle submissive, but not like in any way a 24 seven or like constant. And I really, yeah, I think I had to like look at and wrangle with my own like egoic needs in that equation of mm-hmm. like, when am I being the kind of dom that's like the, acting out of love and care for that person and is able to have like sternness and like a certain kind of sternness and power and discipline that's really coming from a loving place yeah um as opposed to i don't know something else i think with like pro dumbing it's a little different you know the people who are there for pro dumb aren't necessarily looking for like they're probably looking for care for sure they want to feel cared for for sure but it might not be like a long-term exchange like you and I have or something like that. It might be also. Yeah. I have less experience with that. I know that in the experiences that I had um, doing that, I was definitely not coming from a place of, and I want to make your life better, you know? Mm -hmm. It was coming from a more like selfish place for me. Yeah. I want my life to be better. (laughs) I feel like that's probably why it's harder for me to get into like more complex scenes with people I don't know mm-hmm. so well because it's it's a, a lot of I guess of the joy I get out of uh, kind of like more the more sadistic things like really involves knowing the person and yeah. knowing um, kind of yeah what gets them um, also like uh, yeah building a sort of relationship with them and having that care like I, I don't feel necessarily like I'll be able to do my best work or best work <laughs> it is but I mean it's yeah, it's, yeah. It, that's a fine way to say do it. my best work um uh without that intimacy and it, it doesn't necessarily that doesn't necessarily mean like it can't be I'm done. fucking the person but right, it's like right. a, a intimate relationship as in like I know I feel like I know them to some degree and I care about them you mm-hmm. know and can trust um, them and can trust them and that they trust trust me too mm-hmm. import, more most importantly mm-hmm. um, but like smaller things like you know just doing like a little impact play scene or like yeah, yeah electro showing people the demo. electro thing like yeah that's fine that's I, I could do that with anyone who um, for the most part seems in the right mind and yeah. is um and is uh, consenting to yeah. that um but yeah <laughs> well and that's almost like uh there's like that i guess i like that's like a service top almost like someone who just needs a good spanking you know you're just gonna do this service for them and it's mm-hmm. kind of you know that's you do what you gotta do whatever you teach well, them I mean, how electro play works yeah and i mean i generally like enjoy like teaching or yeah seeing that person's face when they experience something new and they're like oh like that's a lot of fun that brings me a lot of joy so it's not i'm getting something out of those things too yeah that's true um but yeah so i mean we could go on i guess about our relationship but i mean the point has been made (laughs) (laughs) i'm sure you guys will get much more about oh we'll tell you more our relationship as the podcast goes on um, but yeah, we wanted to demystify a little bit of our BDSM for you guys. Cause I think we've touched on it in past episodes, but it's something, I think it's something that we both want to be really feel, um, more not, not like we're not open in public, but it's something we want to teach people about. Yeah. And so talking about what goes into our play is part of that education, I think. For sure. For others. And being really, uh, being really transparent and honest, and not being like, oh, "We're almighty BDSM gods or sex gods, not and at we all. know everything." We're learning every day. We really are. <laughs> I mean, just yeah, just that party alone, we learned so much, and that's kind of what it's all about, you know. For sure. Were you gonna say something? Uh, I forgot what it was. <laughs> um. So we'll maybe we'll do another dispatch, 
after DomCon. We'll see what happens. Did you have something you wanted to say about an upcoming uh, holiday? Oh, yeah. Tomorrow is uh, what, May 5th, which is Cinco de Mayo. Um, and for some reason in this country, it's turned into some like big party drinking holiday. And a lot of people think that it's Mexican Independence Day, which it is not. <laughs> um, Cinco de Mayo is actually uh, when the French wanted to, well, not wanted to, the French invaded Mexico to try to reestablish their some uh, stakes in the Americas. Um, and they attacked uh, I can't remember if it was a town or a fort. I want to say it's a town. But um, uh, the people living there in the Mexican army there successfully uh, repelled the French invasion. And that is what Cinco de Mayo is. So what do people sell or what are they celebrating on Cinco de Mayo usually? The Mexican independence? A lot of people think it's Mexican independence, which is not. I think Mex- real Mexican independence, like from Spain, is in September. I want to say something like that. Don't quote me on it, but it's definitely not Cinco de Mayo. Um, yeah, but I mean, yeah, our country turns all kinds of fucking holidays into reasons to drink. All the holidays are bad <laughs> holidays. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad I'm not working tomorrow. Yeah, Shoot. that'd be crazy. Job. Yeah, I don't know. Those drinking holidays, they're, they're, they're a trip. Yeah. We're just going to have a little uh, oh, coffee yeah. ceremony tomorrow. A couple of people coming over. I'm going to make coffee from green beans to cup. Oh, yeah, I think we talked about this All last together. time, didn't we? We did, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. It's a little gathering. A little gathering with folks. Okay, I think that's all for this episode. Anything else you wanted to say? Nah. Um, one thing I wanted to say was I really enjoyed that episode where we interviewed both you and Dorothy mm-hmm. about your experiences, and I think we should interview more people. So if any of you who are listening have a suggestion or um, can think of someone you, you feel like we should meet, maybe in the L.A. area, so we can meet them actually, or whatever, they could phone in, someone who you really feel like we'd enjoy talking to or would be a great fit on our show or a subject matter and we can try to find someone to talk to about that subject yeah. matter. yeah what do you guys want to do lead us or if you have questions about bdsm we can yeah always happy to, always happy <laughs> to answer those and uh, as the intro at the end is about to tell you you can email us at cosmic halitosis so thank you guys for listening and demystifying bdsm thanks for listening to cosmic halitosis if you have questions or comments or want to yell something at us, email us at cosmic with a K, halitosis, cosmichalitosis at gmail.com. Please subscribe and like the podcast. And you can follow us on our personal Instagram accounts. I am Gorgeous Taps, and Temba is Tembizzle, T E M B I Z Z L E. Thanks for listening.